Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. Yes, indeed, good morning. Uh, let's see, it's Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, just for the sake of record. And our catechesis today will look at the parables of the lost sheep and lost coin. Now, you heard the preaching of the parable that comes after that, which we'll look at tomorrow, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, but it's worth actually studying it in a catechetical way here. Uh, I did have the question yesterday. It was on um, it was on YouTube, and I know uh, some of you like to take a lot of notes um, as you're listening. That's great. I'm glad to have you do that. Uh, the reference that I'm using, actually, uh, to help guide our study, I supplement it, of course, with my own um, background and my own study, but um, kind of the framework is from um, the Concordia Catechetical Academy, which is based out of Sussex, Wisconsin. I've been using that uh, actually my whole ministry. I was uh, introduced to it uh, in our catechesis class, classes, I should say, at seminary. Uh, uh, Reverend John Pless, who taught the class, um, introduced us to Dr. Bender, or excuse me, Peter Bender, he's not a doctor, Reverend Bender's uh, material that he uh, first started working on when he was at a parish in Iowa and then uh, brought to his parish in Sussex, which I think he's been there probably 20 years now at this point, maybe more, 25 years. Um, and I found the material to be quite helpful. These are the the daily prayer binders. Um, so he offers kind of a suggested way to build out the daily readings for the year uh, through a three-year cycle. And then he another pastor who's also um, now retiring or retired, probably close to retirement, I think maybe he's retiring this month. Um, Reverend Carl Fabritius, who is at um, uh, something Shepherd, I think. Holy Shepherd, maybe? Um, also down in the Milwaukee area, uh, wrote the notes that go with that that can go with those readings. And the idea is actually not that you would be doing it with me online, um, especially if you have a family, but rather you would buy your own set of binders and then use those to instruct your children at home, uh, which is how we use them at home and have for oh, I don't know, probably 10 years now, 11 years, something like that. All right. Um, I do actually have a few sets of those binders available. If you'd rather um, do this on your own at home, you can uh, grab them. I We had purchased enough for each classroom, uh, but then the last couple of years, we've opted instead to um, have me instruct the whole school each morning, uh, which I think, you know, for our setting, it works better that way. Um, so if you'd like, you know, a set of binders, I think... Um, all the materials, it's based, you know, I think it's $110 is what they what they cost. I have a couple new sets and then um, some new sets if you prefer. All right, so if you want to do this at home and, and uh, instruct your own children that way, uh, that's an option as well. All right, I think with that, we should begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right. We say our memory verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. I'll say it again. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, verse 23. Psalm this week is Psalm 119. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield, I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep uh, the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good, and let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Before we move on, um, just to note, as we or as you pray the Psalms, uh, one thing to always consider, and I think I've mentioned this multiple times before, but it's worth doing, is to consider... Uh, maybe how the original author would have prayed the psalm, and I don't know if this is noted. With all the books there, I'd be able to find a Bible quite quickly. Is it as noted who wrote this psalm? I don't think it is. Psalm 119 is, is pretty long. Sometimes the psalm will have a heading to tell you who composed it. No, it's not. It doesn't indicate the, the author. Um, But you might think about how the original author would have prayed it in the context of the public assembly uh, in the tabernacle um, or at the temple later after David and Solomon constructed it, um, or perhaps also um, in the synagogue, you know, at the time of Jesus. All right. Um, Also, you might consider um, how, how it applies to you, of course. Right? So, thinking about God's Word and its application for you. But I would also suggest that you consider how Jesus himself uh, would pray this psalm, right, before his Father. Uh, Also, then, how the psalm then applies to him and to his ministry and to uh, his identity and who he is um, for you. Uh, But also, then, consider um, how it is his Word, right, and how it's proclamation um, to you, preaching, right? And so, uh, for example, um, depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God, right? Uh, Think about how Jesus rebukes both the demons and uh, the Pharisees and scribes and those who would have him reject um, the mission that he's been given to do. Get behind me, Satan, he says even to Peter, right? So you can see that. Um, I'll just pick another verse. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors, right? Jesus is the righteous one, as Jeremiah says, um, or as we'll hear from Zechariah uh, that we'll study on Sunday, you know, that um, he comes in righteous and holy as he, right? Humble, mounted on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Uh, My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Think about how Jesus would pray that. 
that he's looking forward to the salvation that he is bringing for his people and how he is the fulfillment of the righteous promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, to David, to um, De- um, to Adam, you know, right? It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Think of Jesus. Um, the hour has not yet come, and then he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Right? So as much as you can apply the psalm, of course, to your own life, um, and as much as you can consider how it was maybe prayed in its original context, um, I think, you know, taking Jesus seriously when he says, all scripture testifies of me, we ought to hear how he himself would have prayed this psalm and how it is a testimony of him. All right. So uh, just a helpful exercise as you consider this section of Psalm 119 um, in your prayers this week, you know, to think, um, how does this, how is this, you know, put these words in the, in the mouth of Jesus and how would it then be both proclamation, but also his own prayer? All right. Uh, and you can do this, of course, with all scripture. So uh, maybe try the same as we hear from Lamentations chapter 5, um, which is the lament of Jeremiah. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Look and behold our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens and our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans and waifs. Our mothers are like widows. We pay for the water we drink and our wood comes at a price. They pursue at our heels. We labor and have no rest. We have given our hand to the Egyptians and the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear the iniquities. Servants rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven because of the fever of famine. They ravished the women in in Zion, the maidens in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung up by their hands and elders were not respected. Young men ground at the millstones, boys staggered under loads of wood. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate and the young men from their music. The joy of our heart has ceased, our dance has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head, woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Because of Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it. You, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. Right. Um, there's a time for silence and a time to speak. Right. And what uh, Jeremiah is lamenting here is that uh, it seems the Lord has been silent. And when the Lord is silent, when he, when he does not speak to you, um, you know him as Luther regards him as the hidden God, the God of anger and violence and justice, um, the God who, for, who seems to ignore and to not heed and to not pay attention. Right? And so then rightly, um, those times are when we lament and we cry out to God to hear us and to answer us, right? to speak to us again with words of mercy and grace and uh, forgiveness and um, righteousness. Of course, uh, Jeremiah also then um, records for us and for the and before and recalls before the Lord what the Lord has done to us. Right. So when he sees the hand of the Egyptians or the hand of the Assyrians, when he sees the oppression of the people and um, really some terrible things um, recorded, he um, he tells God exactly. Uh, he gives them to God. Actually, it says God has allowed these things to happen to us, and he notes why. Right. Woe to us, for we have sinned. It's for the sake of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Right? 
How long, O Lord, uh, will you forget us forever? And so uh, lamenting is, again, something that I think we're taught not to do for some reason. Um, Think about how we teach our children. We tell them not to complain. Stop complaining. Stop whining, right? Um, and and there there is a sense where I mean that's appropriate I suppose for parents because uh, it's the the children whining and complaining are actually uh, they're confessing their unbelief, right? They they do not trust you to take care of them and to um, care for them and to provide for them, right? And so you tell them to stop and then but do you follow up then? Uh, with doing the very thing um, that they need, or at least demonstrating um, that you do hear them and that you do answer them, right? Um, and so maybe maybe that's a reason why, spiritually speaking, um, you know, we we fail to act as the children that God would have us act as, um, and to lay up our complaints and our whines and our worries and our anxieties before Him, and we think, oh, that's beneath us. Well, God is our Father, and we are His children, and uh, He loves actually to hear. Um, our even even the the unbelief of our heart confessed before him, um, so that he may answer us. And as Chris says, now, now, right? He does answer us. Of course, uh, we have the revelation of God. He speaks to us in it through His Son, Jesus Christ, with words of mercy and grace and forgiveness and encouragement and hope. Right? Uh, which is what Jeremiah needs. Jeremiah needs a preacher to come to him and to preach that word to him. Somebody like his contemporary Isaiah to come and, and, and preach the suffering servant who will save him. All right. And then our reading for catechesis, a really familiar reading. We hear this every year in our lectionary, Luke 15, 1 to 10. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness? And go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. All right. Um, good to see you all in the in the chat checking in. Uh, if I don't actually acknowledge you in the chat, it doesn't mean I don't notice you. It might mean that I pre-recorded today's <laughs> uh, today's devotion. That's not the case. Actually, I see you there. Karen, Vicki, um, let's see, Mom, Tim, good to see you. Uh, Don and Karen also, Lori, and Defresh on YouTube. Good to have you all. Uh, so, who came near to Jesus here? The tax collectors and sinners. All right, remember... Uh, just in the last chapter, Jesus had been in the house of the Pharisees eating and drinking with them. All right. Um, and then he had gone, gone about and the crowds had gathered around him. And we heard that yesterday. And now, again, the tax collectors and sinners come to him. Why? They wanted to hear him. All right. So they're set in contrast to the Pharisees and scribes um, who invite him, but they really don't want to listen to him. But notice the Pharisees and scribes are still hanging around and they complain, right? Why? Yeah, because uh, the sinners were 
worse. See, this man receives sinners. Why is that terrible? Because they're worse than the Pharisees, right? And so then uh, they keep watching, right? Watching the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They're always watching, grumbling. Yeah. Um, so both Luke and his rec- recording of the text, but also um, the Pharisees and scribes refer to these people as sinners. And of course, the key there is that Jesus eats with them. So we have that same uh, theme of uh, the people that Jesus eats with back in chapter 13 and 14 are the people that are uh, Jesus calls to hear, and it's those whom he also is uh, in presence with. You heard that in the sermon last Wednesday as well. All right. Um, of course, eating and drinking and then grumbling, this should recall um, some people of old in the scriptures, namely in Exodus, and then also in Numbers we hear it recorded again as well, that Israel grumbles against Moses because of no drink and no food or the food that they receive, the quail and the manna, um, they do not like or they get bored with. So we have Israel grumbling against Moses, and now we have the Pharisees and scribes grumbling against Jesus. Right? Same idea. So he tells them parables as he does. So that seeing they would see and hearing that they would hear, or rather in this case, seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear, right? To confirm them in their unbelief. So how many sheep um, in that first parable does the man have? As you saw in the picture, he's got the hundred sheep there. And then, uh, but he goes after, he goes after the one, right? Um, Would a shepherd leave 99 sheep alone and go after one? This is always the key with the parable. There's something about it that just doesn't make sense, according to reason. And of course, here, that's the case. No, he would not leave 99 to go after one sheep, because he would risk losing all 99 in the process. Right? So it's absurd. Uh, and, but the absurdity tells us something really key about um, Jesus being our good shepherd. In particular, it's that he recklessly seeks to save even one, right? To save us. Of course, the lost sheep of the parable all right. This parable is meant to illustrate the complaint that's happening. Those are the tax collectors and sinners whom Jesus is drawing near to him, who had strayed from the faith of Abraham, right? And then he's bringing them back. This would be probably akin today to um, baptized Christians, though, who have strayed and have wandered away from the church. Right? Jesus still is drawing them to himself. Why does the shepherd... Um, you'll notice something interesting here. When he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Why Why lay it on his shoulders, carry them? Well, we'll ultimately see this uh, most figured in Jesus carrying his cross um, to die, right? Bearing the weight of our sins on his shoulders there. Um, so yeah, you can see that, like say, in Matthew 23 or Luke 23. Got comments there. Recklessly saves one, um, like our Lutheran schools. Yeah, Lutheran schools uh, often seem reckless, especially in the way that we spend money um, to accomplish uh, um, the goal there. Um, I think it's it's worth remembering that historically Lutheran schools are about retention of the youth uh, more than saving the youth. Um, but that mission has has shifted as our own congregations see the kind of same kind of demographic implosion. Um, our families just simply aren't having children, and so the need for us to educate our children. Um, has been minimized, I think, right, compared to historic, you know, levels as they used to be. Um, I don't. Th- I still don't think that's the primary mission. The primary mission of our schools are to teach our children, um, and maybe even to provide a safe haven for them to be to learn outside of, you know, the 
the um, indoctrination of the progressive secular uh, world um, that neither uh, believes in God nor um, will receive him in Jesus Christ. So that that chief mission is still there, but it's also true that then that provides opportunity uh, for us to draw others um, into the fellowship. Um, yeah, why does he go after them? Because they're his sheep. That's good, Chris. Uh, and we are his sheep. That's true. So I think there's comfort here in knowing um, that Jesus is always moving um, and, and acting um, to bring about our repentance, yeah, to restore us. Of course, there's the backspin happening here, which... Uh, it might be worth noting, is who are the 99 sheep that he leaves alone? Hmm. We'll get to that. All right, so the, he comes uh, with the sheep on his shoulders, rejoicing, of course, having found his lost lamb, and he calls together his friends and neighbors, who, of course, the church, the, the other faithful, to rejoice over the return of the lost sheep. All right. Rejoice with me, for I have found. Um, what is it? Oh, found my sheep that was lost. I say to you like that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. All right, so what does it mean to repent? To be turned from sin, right? To faith in the forgiveness of sins. Repentance is confession of sins, not that alone, has two parts, right? That we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is forgiveness, right? And gives faith. Who are the righteous persons, quote unquote, who need no repentance? Well, they may be within um, the congregation, but they are not rightly the church. These are those who trust in their own righteousness and who have rejected um, their good shepherd, right? So uh, maybe one aspect that we often forget is that the church um, is a mixture of those who believe and who don't. Um, But also, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it's to recognize that one is always the lost sheep or the lost coin in need of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That Christ is constantly... um, converting us again to faithfulness, right? It's not as if uh, conversion happens once and then no longer, um, you know, as, you know, our sinful flesh is overcome and we no longer um, need Christ calling us to repentance again. No, it's a daily repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. We daily wander and Christ daily calls us back. Right? And that applies to everyone in the church. Uh, who are the shepherds today, of course? The pastors, right? That's what pastor means. Um, all right, so then we have another picture, another parable. He's going to have three in a row. We'll have another one tomorrow. But the second here is of the, the lost coin. It's a little bit different, right? How many coins does the woman have? Not 100, but 10, right? And she loses one. Again, who might the woman be who diligently searches for her lost coin? Again, the church, right? Much like we saw before. Those. So sometimes these parables, they don't necessarily match up. Jesus looks at it from another perspective, right? It looks a little different. Why would she be, you know, would she go into a frenzy searching the whole house for one coin? Well, time is money, so maybe not, right? Um, Not typically, no. But the coin, of course, is again representing the sinner, the tax collector, right? And uh, who rejoices with her when she finds it? Again, her friends and neighbors, all right? So it's a little bit different, maybe not the church, but now the friends and neighbors, um, represents something else. Here, we have an interesting note. What happens with one sinner who repents? Not just joy in heaven, but here we have the um, those who are in the presence of the angels of God who rejoice, right? So the angels of God are the ones rejoicing over the sinners that repent. Um, this actually has some background. You might remember, we studied this back in Luke 
12. Get back to that. Um, this was uh, the warning about hypocrisy. Remember about um, Jesus numbering, you know, the father numbering the hairs on the head. You have more value than the sparrows. So Jesus had said, also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the son of man, will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So we have um, the angels being the witnesses of of, of Christ's own confession of, of uh, the faith worked in our hearts, which is interesting, right? So uh, you might draw, you might think of these parallels as the, excuse me, is these parables of being direct parallels to one another. They're not exactly. I think they're a little bit different, um, but you have the same idea that Christ is seeking um, the lost, and he does so by way of his shepherds or by way of his church, right? And then tomorrow you'll see it by way of family, which is a little bit different. Yeah. All right. So let's summarize this, the meditation. Again, these are written by Pastor Fabritius. Um, I usually supplement it a little bit, add my own interjections, but gives us a framework here to talk. So the Pharisees, tax collectors, and teachers of the law, and indeed all the sinners, were children of Abraham who had been given the promise of salvation. The Pharisees were content in their own righteousness and saw no need for repentance. The sinners came to, to hear Jesus, who was calling them to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. In these two parables, there is an important lesson for all the baptized. The pastors of the church are called to proclaim forgiveness to the sheep who have, been stray, who have strayed from the flock. Likewise, the church, illustrated by the woman, has a passionate desire to bring back those who have been purchased by the precious blood of Christ and baptized in his name. The whole church rejoices with the saints and angels in heaven over all who confess their sins and believe that they are freely forgiven for the sake of Christ. Okay. Um, now, this uh, calling the lost to repentance, um, it's probably the most difficult job that the church has been given to do. Um, it often seems as if it is impossible, and, and for man it is, of course, impossible um, to bring sinners to repentance, but for Christ it is not, of course. He died for them. Um, so that, that's, our, that's our vocation as a church, as pastors, is to call sinners to repentance, right? To call the lost to return. And we continue to call, um, whether they heed that call or not, <laughs> over and over and over. All right. Good. Our catechism for today is, rather for this week, is the sacrament of the altar. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelist Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. All right, um, let's sing. Let's sing the uh, last three stanzas today.
do have a commemoration for the day. Uh, let me pull that up for you. I wasn't quite prepared. <laughs> Today is the commemoration of Elijah the prophet. As you know, the uh, commemorations are appointed throughout the year uh, so that we re recall and remember those who have come before us. Elijah in particular, the prophet, name, his name means, my God is Yahweh, or the Lord. He prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel primarily during the reign of Ahab, 874 to 853 BC. Ahab, under the influence of his pagan wife Jezebel, had encouraged the worship of Baal throughout, throughout the kingdom, even as Jezebel sought to get rid of the worship of Yahweh. Elijah was called by God to denounce this idolatry and to call the people of Israel back to the worship of Yahweh as the only true God, as he did in 1 Kings 18. Elijah was a rugged and imposing figure living in the wilderness and dressing in a garments of camel's hair, in garment of camel's hair and leather belt. 2 Kings 1. He was a prophet mighty in word and deed. Many miracles were done through Elijah, including the raising of the dead, 1 Kings 17, and the effecting of a long drought in Israel, 1 Kings 17. At the end of his ministry, he was taken up into heaven while Elisha, his successor, looked on, 2 Kings 2. Later, the prophet Malachi proclaimed that Elijah would return before the coming of the Messiah, Malachi 4, a prophecy that was fulfilled in the prophetic ministry of John the Baptist, Matthew 11. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophet Elijah, you continued the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the final end times prophet whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and sacraments. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pray our collect for the week. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the Word of God, for parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord of mercy. Pray today in Thanksgiving with Ansel, who celebrates his birthday, with John and Ashton and Brandon, who celebrate their baptism, with Greg and Sharon, who celebrate their anniversary, with Neil, Lenore, David and Sherry, Doug and Nicole, Shirley, Ray and Susie. We also give thanks to God for the healing given to Tim. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dorothy, Dan, and Brad. Pray for our homebound Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for missions and mercy work of the church, especially LCMS World Relief and Human Care. We ask the Lord to preserve and increase uh, chastity amongst us. We pray for those grieving, especially the families of Brooks Manzik and Luke Bird. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. It's been a joy to have you with us here today. Uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you to study God's Word together, to confess, to pray, and to sing. Um, You can join us again this evening at 5.30. We have our adult catechumenate uh, class. We'll be looking at the Sacrament of Holy Baptism this week. And then... Um, Divine Service at 7 p.m. We're going to observe the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene, which uh, falls on Friday, but we'll celebrate it tonight. So you can uh, join us for that, receive God's Word and preaching and the sacrament there. So Lord's blessings to you all, and we'll see you again, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow morning. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.